Hi, this is Pete and Tim, and it's record time. We often listen to music in a disconnected stream of different songs. The radio, playlists on shuffle, almost always on the go. Music barely ever gets our full attention, but it does on record time, where we dive deep into some of the best albums ever recorded. Let's give a little time and our full mind over to R.E.M. and their surprising album, Automatic for the People. And for those who like a liquid accompaniment to their active listening, we've paired this record with a nice vodka tonic. And you can too. I had to do it, Tim. It's lovely. I'm so glad you broke that out There's for this so much album. Accordion on this record. Yeah. I had to bust it out. Let's do our due diligence and All represent. Right. Nicely Rep- done. Is back. How are you, Pete? I'm good. How are you? Hanging in there. All right. We should mention, uh, before we uh, dive deep, we should oh, mention yeah. uh, a couple different ways to get in touch with us. Of mm-hmm. course, we have our uh, Twitter feed at Record Time Pod. Uh, we've got our Facebook page at uh, facebook.com slash Record Time Podcast. Yep. And I think we have something new to announce, oh, right? Oh, boy. We do. You can now reach us with any thoughts, comments, Compliments or complaints uh, at 937 Pete Tim. Oh, so good. <laughs> so good. How many numbers did you have to sift through before you, that one landed? No, you know, I have had some experience uh, trying to find, uh, you know, f- funny, sort of easy to remember numbers like that in the past. And mm-hmm. so there's a couple of websites that will <sighs> aggregate so you can plug in, you know, Pete Tim and see what kind of numbers it needs. And, and so then I would go to the Google site and see what yeah. kind of numbers they had optional for me. It didn't really take all that long, okay. actually. you got a method. Yeah, I nice. do. I do have a tried and true method. If anybody <laughs> needs a gimmicky phone number, I'm Call man. Us. Leave a voicemail, 937-PETIM. Exactly right. 937-PETIM. Uh, so please do actually give us a call. Yeah. We would love to hear from you. Uh, and uh, tweet us at uh, Record Time Pod or look us up on uh, on the book. Yep. At Facebook.com slash Record Time Podcast. And for the old school, Record Time Podcast at gmail.com. It's an actual email address. Indeed. Some people still have those. Write us a note. Please. Um, con- uh, I would like to do a quick recap of our previous episode. Again, still absolutely in love with Joni Mitchell. Oh, and so nice. all over her catalog. I hope that uh, anyone who follows us on Twitter has checked out that Isle of Wight video because it's amazing. Mm. Um, and she's out there on stage in front of, you know, 300,000 people all by herself with just her guitar and her piano and her dulcimer. And it's just amazing. And there's an interview with her that is more recent that is interspersed with the performance. And uh, she talks about that day because there was a lot of kind of shit that went down. Uh, Mm. And she was sort of thrown to the wolves in an angry crowd. Yes. You know, she totally saved the day. Wow. And she talks about it and other stuff about her songwriting. And it's just wonderful to hear out of her voice, out of her mouth. I'm still agog and aghast at Joni Mitchell. And I have to submit one correction. Oh, please. Cause remember a few episodes ago, we were talking about a factual inaccuracy and how that was never going to happen. Um, yes, but it did. Um, Oh, 
because, and I, I actually honestly meant to edit it out, but I think it's better to just come clean <laughs> that I messed up who, who did the string arrangements on Court and Spark. Right. All of the arrangements on that album were done by Joni Mitchell and Tom Scott. Right. So Tom Scott is the head of LA Express, the band that was the backup band, but Joni Mitchell did a ton of them. The strings, I said, were done by John Paul Jones. Which but, wasn't true last week. It wasn't true last, but it's true but this it's week. it's true now. Because <laughs> I had already started researching right. Automatic for the People, right. and so I had conflated some facts. Meanwhile, John Paul Jones is much too busy playing my beloved Lemon Song <laughs> at the time. So, uh, you know, didn't have any time for string arrangements. So, yes, but uh, we'll get into Automatic for the People right now. Right now. And talk about, you know, that's, yeah, JPJ strings. I should mention as well, uh, the reason we're doing Vodka Tonics, despite my friend Chris's wonderful advice on, on several Georgia-based alcohols that we could, <laughs> we could find our way to, yeah. uh, which were not readily available in the greater Boston area or, fresh, or at least in the Fresh Pond, Cambridge area. Yeah, the five-mile radius in my house. Uh, right. Um we, uh, well, I think it's a lovely choice, Peter, that you, you went with Vodka Tonics, because to me, this album is a tonic. A tonic for the soul. Oh. And Solid what end. better drink to pair it with than a little vodka, a little clear, a little clarity. Clarity. Right? Yeah, crispness. Clarity and tonic. And it feels right for February somehow. It's February 1st. It's yes. It's a little bit bittersweet right now. I feel like this record is a cold weather album. For sure. For sure. It's an album. It is certainly yeah. a, a chilly set of topics. Yeah. Um, but uh, actually, I find it a very warm... I find it a little bit more, I would say, of an autumn album. Perhaps okay. a chilly autumn. But um, that may be tied to a specific memory that we'll probably get to yeah, awesome. uh, at some point uh, when we go into the song by song. But Man Alive, um, I just feel so lucky to be doing this show, let alone... Uh, just with you and 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 to have the chance to just listen deep and to talk about it. Yeah. But uh, once again, I, I, this is a uh, a really special uh, uh, album to me. Something I've spent a lot a lot of time with. I assume this is not your first time diving into this album. Um, it is. Wow. But you know, like it it was around. Yes. I mean, I, I like. I, I feel like I want to set it set it up first by saying I would say that this album is the reason this podcast exists. Because you may recall we were at a certain Red Sox game, and you asked me what is what would you describe as a perfect album? Oh yes. And I was not able to answer first because my mind was reeling with possibilities. And you laid down this album, huh? And I just went like record scratch. Wow. I need to understand that. Yeah. Um, as the one you would pick. So like, like that, that ended up being the... So this inspired the podcast, and it may also be our final episode. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to see how it goes. <laughs> no, Stay I, tuned. I can't imagine that. No, uh, no, no. Not it's amazing. I should point out, I want to make sure people realize, I don't drink at Red Sox games. So this was a very honest opinion yeah. that I expressed to you at the time. You did. And, and, and I'm like, oh, this is worth getting into. And so... But I'm going to have to call myself because uh, when we get... Well, we'll get to the song by song. And you'll see where I have to sort of retract that statement. But man, am I glad we're doing the album. So let's do the album. And okay, so do you want to give a quick elevator pitch for how it got so high in your rankings? Well, I think that it got so high on my rankings because it accompanied me at a very similar time to when I met the Joni Mitchell album. Right. But obviously it was an album of that time rather than a, a, a sort of a relic that I found and dusted off and... And made friends with. And the Tribe album. 
uh, and the Tribe album. Yep, same general time. So yeah. obviously a very fertile time in my life for emotions being married to music. And this uh, album... So, gosh, there's so much about it. I think it's brilliant, the direction they took their careers and their, their songwriting uh, at the point in their careers, R.E.M. I'm talking about now, uh, when they came out with this album. It was not what people were expecting. It was not what people wanted. And I think for a lot of people, it was an alienating record, but it really, um, to me, meant uh, that they felt that it was really important. Um, uh, that they that they present these songs, um, I think that I don't know that I've enjoyed the production of an album any more than I enjoy the production of this album. I think that the um, I was thinking about the the triangle, I assume, or whatever it is at the beginning of "Try Not to Breathe," and just the unbelievably delicate textures that are available throughout this album um, yes. always really impressed me mm-hmm. um, lyrically I think you are you have a, a, a singer who is I mean at the time there's not too many front men of bands that were much bigger than Michael Stipe uh, and not at that time, not at that time. And I think the lyrics on this album are both just audibly and, uh, from a, from a writing standpoint, clearer than any of his lyrics have been before. So he is, you know, he's not hiding behind his hair anymore. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's yeah. visible, he's attainable, he's. Vulnerable. Yes. And so um, well, I just I just found it astonishing that they had the balls to go with all of those choices, given where they were uh, at that point in their career. I kind of feel like they had they needed somewhere to go. I feel like this was a natural progression of a band who was musically super fertile and super creative and wanted to explore new territory. But uh, here's the thing with R.E.M., like I was very much around when this album came out. Yep. Um, you know, it's not that I haven't. You asked it. Had this wasn't the first time I'd explored this album. It's not the first time I've explored these songs, but I've never digested this as an album before. Interesting. Well, I, yeah, because these are some ubiquitous songs and, around that and time. That's the thing. And, and like, and and a couple of those songs suffer for it in my review. Yes. Um, yep. but I mean, Starmy Kitten, I hadn't heard. Uh, oh wow. But I had heard every other song on the album. Okay. In one time or another. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this was absolutely ubiquitous. And I'm assuming you had a relationship with R.E.M. before this album came out. I did, yeah. Like, when did you start? Well, I can't in? claim to be um, smart enough to have paid attention to my friends Rachel and uh, Mike Castillo uh, back when we were very young. Uh, they were talking about this band all the time, and I, I'm not smart enough to have taken their advice and, and caught on around the time of Murmur and yeah. Fables of Reconstruction and stuff like that. Um, I probably hitched in when they started to be very big. I, I don't know if Losing My Religion caught me uh, or something slightly before that, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was just Losing My Religion that caught me on them. But I immediately went backwards into their older stuff and, and fell really for their older stuff more than um, out of time. Yeah, I heard 
Can't Get There From Here on the radio mm-hmm. when that album came out. And that's still one of my favorite R.E.M. songs. I had it in my head today. I yeah. mean, that, that song is evergreen to me. Um, yeah. And then they just started to pop up. I, I mentioned V66 in a previous episode. That's yep. a Boston area video station that was on UHF Channel 66 in the 80s, <laughs> if you can imagine such a time. Um, and they played Driver 8. Yeah. And then they just started to kind of pop up again and again. And by the time, and then, so then it was Stan in that place where you live. Right. And then it was uh, Pop Song 89. Yep. Uh, I really loved the, uh, the one I love. I, that's still sure. one, an incredible song. Yep. Um, End of the world as we know it. Where are you? And on I'm that? like, God. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that's just like, here's what I'm getting at is that REM became a band that, like, I was going to hear no matter what, whether I liked it or not. And I I feel like I was never really given the opportunity to have my own genuine relationship with them. Mm. And I would put them in the same uh, place as U2 and a few other bands, you know, that are, that were just around all the time. They had hit after hit. And then by the time this record came out, I was like still getting off the fact that losing my religion was on the radio every Every hour minute. Yeah. It was absolutely inescapable. That song. It, It got the brown eyed girl treatment. And I was just like, fuck off. Take a couple years off. Yeah. And then they come out with yet another record, and it's like this sort of down... <laughs> I read recently in researching for this, someone said, like, to, to, to love R.E.M. is to appreciate their inherent pretentiousness. Yes. Or something like that. Yeah. And I completely get that now. So I'm glad that we're going through this album. I'm glad to have a fresh uh, perspective on it to try and have my own relationship to R.E.M. I've always liked them. I mean, Mike Mills is a is a role model for me as a bass player band cool. member. Yeah. You know, I feel like I play a similar role yeah. as he plays in R.E.M. I mean, hell, I'm, people say that, the you know, my band, The Rockmores, we, that we sound like R.E.M. Oh, yeah. Uh, and yeah. I, can, you know. I can hear that. They are responsible for Nirvana. They're responsible for so much. They you know, launched, yeah. An entire subgenre of music, then that made way for other ripple effects that continue to this day. They made noise in a lot of garages across America. Totally. Yeah. Directly and so, responsible. And I think Peter Buck is an amazing guitarist. I think Stipe is a is a is a very interesting front frontman, and I'm really glad to get, have a new perspective on him. He's just one of these characters that I've known forever, and I remember all his different looks and his yeah. whole the journey as a person or whatever. But he would like just see him on those multicolored videos and those lyrics that I didn't understand, and yeah. he was just like a little bit out there and just. And again, by the time this album came around, I was just like, I don't know, man. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> Like, right, but this album is so interesting because they don't mask their their lyrics. They don't mask the message of these songs at all. It is really hard to jibe to square uh, uh, two songs on the same record, like Drive and Everybody Hurts. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it's almost as, you know, well, yes, we'll get to the track by track. Yes. Um, maybe fairly quickly in this yeah, maybe I, think, I think so all the songs bear a lot of discussion I feel they like they do yeah they do so I I'm I come to R.E.M. loaded with this preconceived opinion from years and years and years and years of being exposed to them shoved down my throat yes um, yeah I think I wonder if for me I don't know what you would think of this but obviously there's nothing wrong there's nothing inaccurate about what you said. They were on everything all the time. Ugh. I wonder if I didn't mind that so much because I really didn't listen to a lot of radio, perhaps to my detriment, but I was pretty plugged into my headphones playing whichever tapes or records or CDs or whatever that I had picked. 
for a long, long time. I mean, and, I did my share of that too. Yeah. But you're going to hear the radio and you're going to watch MTV because right. you're hanging out with your friends and right. his bald head is on one, you know, once an hour. <laughs> um, nothing wrong with his bald head. He's yeah. fabulous. And um, I love that dancing. Yeah. I, I love that Michael Stipe dancing. Yeah. Yes. He's a true original. And by the time like grunge came around and, and this album came around, they were like the elder statesman. <laughs> right. Right. This is the transition to the elder statesmanship. Yeah. This album. This is the hinge. Their eighth album. Yeah. I feel like they were getting restless. They had yeah. started to delve into more different instruments in there. And that was one of the things I was in, really interested in, in with this record, hearing it with fresh ears is yeah. like how layered the arrangements are. Like yes. you said, there's yeah. all kinds of different stuff. Yeah. Which they had started doing it out of time and they did on green. Uh, again, it was a joy to go back and listen to all these records again. Um, but the arrangements feel um, like they're reaching in a lot of different directions yeah. to me on Out of Time. Effectively, I'm not complaining, but on this album, I really feel like everything is so focused and just flows so beautifully together. Yes. Um, you know, R.E.M. is famous for the harmonies, and, and there's no shortage of them <sighs> on any R.E.M. record, yeah. but um, not just, you know, the backup vocals and... and from a vocal perspective, but um, there's just harmonious instruments. It's not even the notes they're playing. It's it's a really beautiful blend of um, of instruments on this album. Yeah, little ear candy that yes. comes in here and there and surprises you. Yeah, it's a great headphone record. Oh boy. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like it. It's again hearing it with fresh ears. Twenty five, thirty years later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, like there, it sounds dated in some ways. Like the reverb on the snare, I feel like the band is too far away sounding. Uh-huh. I would love to hear this remixed with sort of modern mm. aesthetic, where the instrument's a little bit more up front. It's like just sounds a little murky, and the oh. reverb sounds a little sort of fakey. Wow! <laughs> but uh, that's just the perspective of time, and totally. the tech is different, and everything's different. Um, yeah. So I feel like it's it does sound a little bit just like murky to my ears, and sometimes a little hard to kind of listen to for whatever reason it's just me being fussy but <laughs> the arrangements are great and it does fill your head so let's though it's interesting to me because they start with drive yeah let's so talk let's about just drive. talk about drive <clears throat> um i feel like drive again so many great sounds mm-hmm. so many great moments yes. when peter buck comes in with that distorted sound i was running to work today listening to it and i had to air guitar like i can't not air guitar right on that awesome guitar part comes in um but this song always, it feels to me like it's a 747 jet that never takes off. Yeah. Uh, so I said before that I was going to have to take, call myself on on calling this a perfect album because I do think the drive, sometimes, maybe this album has lived so well in my life because drive sometimes makes me say, nah, I don't want to listen to this album right now. It It's a dirge. I mean, it is a very slow yes i think the 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 analogy of a plane that just doesn't take off is there um it never goes anywhere it needs to go somewhere else and it doesn't and it's maybe that's the sort of ironic thing they're going with with the name drive yeah but then you just listen to the lyrics and i'm like there's nothing here i i grab onto the guitar parts i think the playing is so awesome right but he has nothing to say ollie 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 yeah dude hey kid where are you it's fascinating to me it's throughout filler. this album. To, you know, so one of the things I read about the way REM works in prepping for this was was which I didn't. I guess I sort of knew this, but I, I didn't really realize it was quite so sort of set in stone. Um, the rest of the Stipe would not be around for the writing of songs. Yeah, they would just kind of come up with demos, play it for him. He would take it and drop a melody on it and write some lyrics for it. And, yep. 
uh, and come back. So there's so many, knowing that, there's so many lyrical vocal choices of where he jams words in and, and, and stuffs them into a spot or just stretches sparse words out over long stretches that just baffle me they i know yeah i know you can't sort of you know dissect an artist and how they work but it still just boggles my mind the choices that he makes at times i agree and and that's the case on every song but certainly on this one as well i agree yeah yeah and it, it, i had thought about that too and thinking about i wonder how the other band feels when he comes in and he sings his thing and they're like hey what maybe if you could make all right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. And I feel like they just have to be like, oh, okay, it's, yeah. wor- it's work before. <laughs> like, yeah. we're, we're the biggest band in the world. We'll just keep going. It's fascinating yeah. how they were able to maintain that. And it makes the fact that they broke up sort of weirdly uh, in 2011 make a little bit more sense Makes to sense, me. Yeah. yes. Um, it's one of the best moves, I think, because I, I do think their catalog is... Um, has a bit of a trajectory. Yeah. Some think... of the later albums, I I just, I don't know. I looked for footholds and things that I loved, and I just didn't find them quite as much. Right. Um, but this one, uh, this is, uh, in many ways, in my opinion, their sort of um, Abbey Road. Oh, okay. Um, you know, just flexing their muscles and and kind of showing the best of what they're capable of doing. Yeah, in some ways, or at least like pushing their musicianship and pu- pushing their songwriting. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, Stipe, uh, he just still kind of baffles me, and I, I always felt like that was one of the things that kept me uh, at an arm's length from REM was his lyrics. And you know, there's other bands that I would say that about that. That it's what I what I would the the way that I've come to terms with Stipe's lyrics is that I feel like he it's sort of <laughs> word salad. Yeah. That suggests a theme, yes, um, and 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 through that, really interesting imagery pops up, and I'll certainly call those out as we go through because there's plenty of them. Yeah, um, this one I don't really think has anything like that. Yeah, there was a song. Oh man, I was reading one of the reviews. I gotta find this. Um, there's a song, "Hey Kids, Rock and Roll." Hey kids, rock and That's roll. That's right. Yes. Rock on. Rock on. Ooh, my soul. Yeah. Where so do we I had go never made the connection between here? these songs, right. but uh, obviously oh, okay. I never that, did either. There's that lyrical hey, nod kid, at the beginning of Drive, roll. right? Yeah, yeah. And they're similar songs because Rock On sits there as well, just in a just in a jam, just waits right there yeah. where it is, and it feels like a song that's going to take off as yes, well, right? But it just never does. Never does. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so I found that really interesting as well, and it and it kind of made. Uh, it may drive a little bit, but I often a little bit nicer for me. I was going to say, but I often uh, am diverted uh, quickly yeah. through this album. And it almost put the drive song almost puts me in like a skip mode. Like if I ever get tired for a second of a song, I might go ahead and skip through it. I know. Um, it's a yeah. which is which is does no service to this album. I mean, this is an absolutely astonishing album. But yet, on the almost other hand, every beat, it's true. Yeah. On the other hand, the song was a fucking major hit yeah that i don't get yeah i i got so fucking sick of hearing this yeah, song on the radio yeah this one and eventually not not as a result of this album but of course when it was stolen later by the andy uh, uh kaufman movie <laughs> man on the moon oh my god um it had this whole second life enough yeah uh which i had been very content with its first life uh, uh and and i had other 
problems with the Andy Kaufman movies, Jim Carrey, and those issues. <laughs> we'll save that for a comedy podcast. Yeah, no, that's a good idea. <laughs> I like that idea. Yeah. Um, yes. So like you know, I hate to down. beat a dead horse because like the acoustic guitar playing is beautiful, and again, that that distorted guitar part that comes in. It, it, it's got cool strings in it. There's a lot of great, interesting musical moments. Yeah. But I feel like, I don't know, for track one of our, your big new record, you know. It th- certainly is the among the, the weakest track one. I mean, if, if we're looking at all the track ones of our albums that we've been talking about on the mm-hmm. show mm-hmm. to set the tone for the album, I mean, I guess from a mood perspective, it's effective. It sets the tone. Yeah, but but it doesn't do credit to the rest of the album musically. It's and it high doesn't heights. Do, it doesn't do credit to the rest of the album lyrically either, or melodically. I yeah, mean, there's just no angle of it that is like, here's what this is going to be. Yeah, It's like a prelude that just... Uh, gets in the way of the album starting. Yep, it's the overture that's all intro and doesn't right. actually touch the themes. But then they quickly redeem themselves. Whoa. Try yeah. Not to Breathe uh, with that triangle intro that you mentioned earlier. Ding. So I figure one of us is going to mention Song Exploder, right? In oh, the episode my of Song gosh, Exploder. I forgot about that episode. Fantastic show, obviously. Uh, Rishikesh Hershey and uh, his... He's actually taken hiatus from that. I don't know if you know. No, I didn't. This season, he's, he's uh, got somebody else hosting, so he has some other projects. Cool. But um, what an amazing show. Another podcast, uh, Song Exploder. Song Exploder, where they bring in the artist to describe the how they came about yep. writing and recording one of their songs. The origin a, story of the song. Yeah, mm. and R.E.M. did the song, Try Not to Breathe. Boy, I forgot about that. What, yeah. a, what a stellar episode. Check it out. Dig yeah. even deeper. And, you know, heavy, um, because, heavy for me, very recently, I lost my mother-in-law. Yeah. Uh, and this is a song that, um, you know, echoes certain moments uh, of that experience, which is very, very fresh. Yeah. So, uh, listening to this album for the first time since that happened, uh, for this song and for a couple of other reasons. Oh, sure. Certainly, uh a new approach to the song. Yeah. Uh, a, a different way of looking at these songs. Very personal. Much more personal, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and difficult. Yeah. To be sure. And to think of the, yeah, impermanence of people and there will be memories that disappear and... Yeah. Yeah, remembrances of the past. Yeah, that's one of the things we talk about a lot yeah. um, that weighs very heavily is the, the, the memories that are gone. Yep. Um, that were hers. Yeah. Um, it is... A thrilling song. It's an urgent song. It is. Um, it is. Uh, I want you to remember. Yeah. I mean, we talk about him being less obtuse with his lyrics. Doesn't Cutting. Get, doesn't get much less obtuse than that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I will try not to breathe. Oof. I want you to remember. Yep. Um, he takes such time with that. Yeah. It's a phenomenal song. Yeah. And talk about incredible harmonies mm-hmm. and awesome different parts and using like some trippy vocal effects on there. Which, which they're they fond of. They're always fond of. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but he just rings through. It's, it's, um, it's a masterpiece. It is gorgeous. And it almost has a sort of sea shanty feel to it. Yes, absolutely. I feel like it's meant to have a storyteller feel. Yeah. Yeah. No question. Mm-hmm. Feels like tides be- being pulled, uh, pulling and pushing. 
Yeah, and a, yeah, really nice arrangements, nice layers in that. I mean, continuing the kind of progressions and parts that they've done in the past, but with this new kind of really, I guess, somber kind of flavor. They're yeah. mature. <laughs> They're starting to have the thoughts and experiences of people who have uh, lived a few years. Well, I think some of the reviews that I was reading at the time mentioned that the uh, the band, which are all the fellas were all about the same age, they'd all sort of turned 30 and... They were dealing with a new phase of life. Oh, boo-hoo. Yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, they're probably, what, 50, 60 now. Yeah. But, uh, um, but yeah, this is reflective of, you know, introspection and a little bit less. There's only one real rocking tune uh, <laughs> on the entire album, right? Ignore Land. Oh, yeah. It's um, true. It's true. Which one of the reviews I read mentioned Buffalo Springfield. Oh, Wow. And I hadn't really I, thought of that. Yeah, I'd never made that connection before, but it instantly rang true for me in a nice way. I like that song a lot. So try not to breathe. I mean, they yeah. they they don't um, they don't give you much time to get ready for it. No, they don't. Um, and to come right after Drive, that's one of my favorite segues of the yeah. record. Is segueing into that triangle. Well, and I love the, you. the one coming out of it as well, right into Sidewinder Because they managed to raise the stakes, even though they've had this urgent song about this unbelievably serious topic, yeah. uh, which really kind of sits you straight up. Yeah. Um, you know, here comes fun. Yeah, total right? silliness yeah. right after yeah. it. Yeah. Just ridiculous. And I. There's this moment that I love so much, which I'd read about at the time when it was released. Apparently, he had a lot of trouble singing the word Dr. Seuss. <laughs> and we had, I think, referred to this we did. at one point earlier in, in another show. In the we Joni Mitchell about, episode, which yeah, he was laughing, getting a natural laugh. The scripted laughs versus yeah. the natural laughs. This is a really, really natural <laughs> laugh that's hard to hear if you're not looking for it. Because um, it comes right in the chorus, and it's sort of predictable, and by that time you know what the chorus is, so you may not be listening closely. But Right. And it and it's not terribly dissimilar from some of the sort of jangly yodeling he tends to do anyway. stuff. Yeah. It's true. Right. Come on in, try to wake her up. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about jamming words in where they don't fit. Oh my god! Forever it took me to figure out what that what he's actually saying. It was in my head today, and I was still singing "Calling Jamaica." Right? <laughs> yeah, I always thought it was uh, "Come on in, try to wake her up," but I guess it's "Call me when you try to wake her up." That's crazy. Yeah, and it, it's yeah. hard for me to imagine him selling that to the rest of the band and them just being like, "Do you want to like kind of cut that down, and make it bounce a little bit more?" Okay, All right. and and. I don't get and it. Why? I know. Yeah. Uh, we'll never know, and I wouldn't. I guess I probably wouldn't want to know. It's great. I, this is an artist. Yes. He gets to do what he wants to do, and it works. I love the song. It's still a fun. Yeah, it's but a fun song. Why? I know. It's still baffling. <laughs> it's totally baffling. Uh. And I feel like it probably is just a sense of fun and silliness, and being like, "Fuck it, we've written so many of these tight pop tunes." This is another pop tune. This is totally in our wheelhouse, but we're just going to fuck off. Or we've got enough songs about death and loss and, <laughs> yeah. you know, tragedy. And just do something silly. Let's, yeah, let's have a little bit of fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Was this one of the three? Remind me of the three that they started this album with. Because um, three of the songs on this album were kind of in their pockets as they were finishing out of time. I know that there was a few that they had started writing them, but I It didn't was know which Drive, one. Try Not to Breathe, and Night Swimming. Oh, okay. So those are heavy. Yeah. Well, Drive is whatever it is. We've yeah. already discussed. But uh, Try Not to Breathe and Night Swimming are 
deep. I mean, yes. they're they're almost painful mm-hmm. songs. Night swimming is one of those. In, in, <laughs> a bit of a drama queen when it comes to music, and there there used to be a couple of songs that I had such strong associations with. I've sort of talked about this before that I didn't want to listen to it to to them with anybody else. Oh. I didn't. I didn't want to find. I, I wanted only to be able to interact with those songs with headphones on, eyes closed, returning to the place that they represented. Wow! Right. I did not want anything to dilute <clears throat> the uh, associations that I had for these particular songs. Okay. Night swimming was one of them. Oh man. Um, well, I'm, let's put a pin in that, and yes. you have to tell your story, and I have to tell mine. Oh, all right. Of what what that place was. All right. Very good. All right. But yeah, I, okay, I hear you. So, but not yeah. Sidewinder sleeps tonight came along at some point. You know who knows how it. it yeah, it. <laughs> I'm glad it did. Yeah, I'm glad it did. It's just silly. It's and a delight. It, yeah. Um, and then here's the one that really baffles me: is everybody hurts. Yeah. What what baffles you about it? <sighs> I had huge been, hit. I had, yeah. Yeah. Huge. Don't hit. you think it was the video more? Don't you think it was the video more? The video than the, is much better than the song. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, the song is a, is a parody of itself, I have to say. Um, I mean, and I was... <laughs> you don't take it sincerely? I mean, of course I do. Okay. Absolutely. I do too. It's so on the nose, though, especially for R.E.M. Right. I had spent so many years sort of getting used to Michael Stipe's sort of uh, weirdness uh, that he comes and he hammers you over the head with this yeah. song, and, and it, it's hard to take seriously. But I know he means it. What's your relationship like with the song You're Only Human by Billy Joel? Which one is that one? It's the other song about suicide that was a big hit in the world. Um, I didn't realize that this song was specifically about suicide. Yeah, well, I've always taken it to be that way. Okay. I mean, Um, I definitely took it to be about human desperation. Sure, sure. And, it, and, the, and the ultimate end of that. Yeah. I okay. Guess. Yeah. All right. Just the, just the extension of that. Interesting. Well, um, you know, I just didn't expect that from REM. I didn't expect that from Stipe. So my... Uh, Don't throw your hand. Yeah. What I took from that song and its popularity was... It's really important to check in on other people you know like um if they were willing to make this not just a song on their record but release it as a single as a single yeah make a big video out of it and push it and i kept waiting like no they're just saying don't be scared everybody hurts they're, they're literally just doing let down your guard a they're little taking bit. their platform yeah and that's all they're saying not with the whole album, obviously, but like that's what they're choosing to do with this release. Yep. Like, okay, I need to recalibrate where I put that part of my being a friend to people. Do you know oh, what I mean? Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> very, very specific. You very much, and you very much took it to heart. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now I didn't need it, thankfully, uh, f- from a personal perspective of keeping myself from. F- depression or anything like that. Not that I haven't suffered depression, but um, 
at least from a suicide perspective, I had already taken that cue from You're Only Human right. by Billy Joel and just been like, okay, I got it. That's extremely important. That is not an option. That's not something I can do. It's, it's just not, I have to carve that out of my life. Uh, there's Not that I was considering it at the time or anything, but it was like, okay, that's gone, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a horrible song. And it's very peppy for a suicide song. <laughs> Isn't it strange? Uh, you only human. Uh, yeah, something like that, right? <laughs> I can't only remember. human. Right. Oh, that's so weird. You're allowed to make your share of mistakes. Well, thanks. I, <laughs> I do appreciate that. I took that. that to heart, too. So when Everybody Hurts came along, uh, you I was like, well, I was like, okay, I don't, I, that's not a lesson I needed. Yeah. But the lesson that I do need out of that is that. I'm not alone right. in these feelings, and I've got to kind of, you know, reach out because that's what they're doing. And the video shows that everyone has that for their own reasons. Right, right. But it, I mentioned before, yeah. my wife and I often talk about how everybody's carrying around a bag of shit. Yes. Everybody hurts. Yep. Um, very, very much taken to heart. And I also found a real kinship between the feel of this song and it's sort of partner song in my mind. Another reference to my favorite band, the black crows, sometimes salvation. Oh yeah. Um, they, they feel like each other and they feel like they're talking about, uh, very similar things from a sort of an optimistic perspective by the black crows and a, and a, not a pessimistic perspective, but a, um, a deeper, more concerned perspective, I guess. Okay. Well, again, I appreciate you giving that, other point of view on it. Yeah. I saw it as maudlin. <laughs> yeah. I and way a... too on the nose and hitting me over the head with it. And then again, having it on the radio all the time. Right. It, it's because it's got, it's got a long buildup. I will say that the end is awesome. Oh, the, God, yeah. the where it goes and the don't throw your hand is, yeah. is great. The midsection's great and the ending is particularly great. I mean, it's gorgeous. Yeah. It, it's, it's a perfect piece of music. Is it a perfect pop song? No. But it it it's structurally like it's like a suspension bridge. It's just, you know. Yeah, it's true. It is. Really holds itself together it in is. a lovely, lovely way. And I like that little percussion part. <laughs> <laughs> I can't make the sound. And then New Orleans instrumental number one, talk yeah. about the uh, false advertising. Because you read this title, and this is the other one I hadn't heard because right. I haven't listened to this as a record. So right. I'm like, oh, New Orleans instrumental. I'm going to hear like some second line music or like some dirgy trumpet. Uh, and so this took me a few listens to get into because I'm like, this is just filler. I'm not sure why this is here. So amazing. And then I listened to it enough that I was like, oh, this is really cool. Oh, listen to what Peter Buck is doing. Yeah. Oh, cool. He's, yeah, you yeah. know, and look at the actually the Wurlitzer parts. Sounds really nice and, and oh, you can hear it like yeah. you can hear the wood of the world. It's a, yeah, yeah, it's really gorgeous. Yeah, it's pretty. It is really nice. It's a nice instrumental piece, and it just reminds you like this is a band, and they're just awesome musicians, and they're having fun, and they're stretching. Yeah. They they wrote out of time on instruments that weren't their own. 
which is, you hear a lot of the, that's where the mandolin starts to come in right because uh, I think Peter Buck was writing on a mandolin they were all using different instruments than they usually use hmm. and so that I feel like that carries over to this record too. I think I knew that about the mandolin but I didn't realize that was a sort of a band wide thing they sort of all deliberately yeah. chose to play instruments that they weren't as familiar with just during the writing phase and stuff yeah to kind of like help it was impressive when Stipe was using somebody else's throat <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how he does it <laughs> Uh, so this song is probably the song that made me fall in love with this album. Oh, interesting. And it was because of, man, just the, the, the most random set of, of variables coming together. So uh, my, the, this band will forever be associated in my mind with my friend Rachel Broadley uh, from high school. Um, and... Uh, she'd love them forever, and eventually I was, you know, smart enough to get on board. We went to college. I went to visit her with my friend Murphy. We went to Providence. Uh, Rachel was at Brown. We went to go meet up with her to go see the Black Crows at the Providence Performing Arts Center. This is 93, maybe 94. And she and Rachel was in her dorm room at Brown, one of their funky dorm rooms. Hmm. And Murphy and I had taken the train uh, late in the day, and we got to uh, her dorm. And we go up, and she and her boyfriend at the time were sitting on like a futon couch. I didn't really have my bearings in this funky brown dorm room, uh, dorm room at Brown. I'm saying. Huh. Uh, and they had these amazing windows, and there was a really bold, really bright sunset that she and her boyfriend were just watching, and this song was on. They Ooh. were listening to this album, and New Orleans Instrumental was on, and it all just seemed so perfect to me. I, I could not express the perfection of that moment. I was sort of... I was so happy for her. I was so jealous that I didn't have somebody to have a moment like that with. Uh, I, it just was a tremendous moment that has always stayed with me. If I close my eyes, I can see it clear as day, every, every piece of it. Wow. Um, and uh, I just thought, well, I'm very excited to go see the Black Crows, but I have to listen to Automatic for the People a lot more. I have to, I have to find this track and you know, make better friends with it. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. This is a very recent, recent acquisition for me. That's a, that's a yeah, lovely story. And it, this, follow, this song is followed by, a prob- I don't know, my favorite song yeah. on this record, yeah. except for maybe Find the River. Sweetness Follows is a very powerful. Stunning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another song that's a little tougher for me in recent days yeah, uh, with the loss of a loved one. Um, yeah. Probably a song that I that might have made my list of of songs that I just sort of wanted to have a personal relationship. Nothing, no real story to attach to it. Um, You know, uh, not like the one that I just told, but uh, just a, one of those songs that just demands all of my attention when it's on. Um, I, I can see why. Yeah. It's not something to do the dishes to or, have on at a party or, or whatever. It's, it draws you in that yeah. that ostinato that that cello groove just won't won't won't. It just it's anxiety or not anxiety, but just like anguish. 
Yeah. And then acceptance. Yeah. And peace. And peace. Right. But yeah, I was just reading these lyrics. These these little things, they can pull you under. Live your life filled with joy and thunder. Do not let the little things get you. Yeah. You are not here for very long. I don't do a great job of that, do you? No. <laughs> I try to, and I remind myself a hundred yes, times a day, but a somehow I still times. can't get out of it. Yeah. Uh, but it's right when you realize just how impermanent things are. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, yeah, you got to be thinking that way. I, you know, I'm noticing that it, they finished the first side on this album, and I think that's a little irresponsible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Just to it, leave you there? Like, yeah, just fuck, to leave you hanging damn, with that. Man. Come on. Um, yeah, not that, that we have a, to deal with sides anymore, but still, they didn't know that at the time. That is a place they drop you. That that's too true. And then they start side two with another dirge. Right. Sounds like traffic. Sounds like John Barleycorn. You know, da na 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 na. It's another. It's like a folk dirge. Yeah. Money, money got a raw deal. It um, picks up in this fun way, though. That like, it leaves you behind almost you right don't away. Oh me anything. Yeah. Yeah. Down, no, 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 no. Right. We talked about that big drum hit. I love that so much. Yeah. It does take that surprising turn. That song yeah. to me sounds like it could have been off out of time. That sounds the most familiar. There's something sort of touched and gilded about a lot of the songs on this album. And I and I feel like that sort of coding is not on this uh, Monte Gata Raw deal. That feels like well, and and I'd say Ignore Land, the next song sounds like it could have been off Life's Pageant. I was gonna say. Yeah. Yes, it does. Um, so these two feel like a little bit of a return to form um, in my mind. I love them both. Super, super fun. It's funny. I think the first four lines of this song do to me what Drive might do to you for this record. It just sort of tunes me out. Monty, this seems strange to me. <laughs> yeah, the movies had that movie thing, and I'm just, it's <laughs> more like just stipiness. Yeah. Had that movie thing. Like, uh, I'm out. Uh, nonsense has a welcome ring. Uh, I, I don't know. I, it wasn't, <laughs> He's it, like, please believe me. Yeah. It does. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't enough to latch onto at the time, but now reading him here, yeah, I mean, there's there are a lot of great lyrical moments in this tune. Totally. And I do like where it picks up. And I like the mandolin part. It's really cool. Musically, I love the song. And lyrically, I have to say the first line, not the movies had that movie thing, but when he's picking this up, this conversation, you know, like the way The Wire started, where you're like, wait a minute, did I miss an episode? Like, how is, yeah. this, how is this all happening already? <laughs> um, I love things that sort of leave me behind and let me try to catch up with them. Um, you know, we talked about that with regard to the West Wing and totally um, different kinds of art, and and the the lyrics for this song kind of do that for me, and as do many of his lyrics, they leave me behind yes. and they make me do the work of, you know, conjuring whatever I'm going to conjure, as you mentioned before. Yeah, they they they're evocative, and there are certain lines that call out to you, but I feel like yeah, there's there's still it's he's not being specifically deliberately narrative, right or logical, right. It's like T.S. Eliot. Yeah. You know, he's he's a poet. He's Setting doing moves. whatever he wants. He's, he's taking us on artistic journeys. And, and, probably, I, and I don't know that there's as... I love R.E.M. albums, but I don't know that any of them are more cohesive than this album. Right. Thematically or, you know... Just the sound. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that from yeah. what, I listen, what I've listened to. Yeah. Ignore Land, for a long time, I thought was in your land because that sort of had the feel yes. that it had to me like i don't know what 
all the crap you're dealing with over there in is. your land. But that's your land, man. <laughs> I'm fine over here. Uh, yeah. It doesn't or look better if, over there. Even right? if I'm not, it doesn't matter. <laughs> your stuff is whack. You're stupid. <laughs> that's what I would have been singing if I was. <laughs> I don't know why I knew this tune. Was this a minor hit? Did this have any play on the radio? Not that I recall. I know I'd heard it. It's one of my favorites on the record. It's great. I love how rowdy it is. I would say that this we've talked about the songs like um, Town Called Malice. Yeah. That that have this sort of dun, 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 incredible dun, dun, energy dun, to them dun. that I feel like are, are real accomplishments. This is absolutely a capturing a performance with a lot of energy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And and all just kind of funneled and they, they are just as tight as a band that's been playing as often and, and, as, and as, as diligently and, and, and as long as they have. Um, it's, a, it's a real good example of what's possible when, when something like that happens. And the stipe-isms really work in this tune. Mm-hmm. It has a panic, frenzied energy. And yep. he's like throwing all these crazy ideas at you. This, this, to me, is the sister of End of the World as you know it. Right. Uh, part, partially because he does some of that same pattern. Yes. But I feel like this song, more than any other... Um, is damaged by that early 90s production. It's murky. I would strongly agree with I that. I cannot hear yes. Stipe's lyrics. I yes. don't understand what he's singing. He's this song really far back. is in a pocket. It, yeah. For sure. It's in a bubble. I don't feel that way about... I don't think I feel that way about any of the other songs on the album, though. This feels like it was done at an entirely different time in an entirely different place yes. with an entirely different setup from the rest of the album. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like, it's a, this is a greatest hits rap record all of a sudden. <laughs> right, right. You're just jumping from context to context. It's the one, it, it sticks out like a sore thumb, sore yeah. thumb in some ways. Yeah, well. But it's still one of the best songs on the record. It's a jam. I love it. And I it's would... the biggest rocker on the album, so yeah. it sticks out in that respect as well. Yeah. Maybe they felt like they had to bury it a little bit because the rest of the album is so delicate and intimate and vulnerable. And this is so angry. And they needed to keep you awake later on the record. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I'm saying maybe they need felt they they needed to like bury it back because if they went full bore oh, with I this see. song, it would have knocked everything else over. That's kind of true. You yeah. know what I mean? That makes sense that they know. had to right restrain it somehow so it blended better. But I'd rather hear it at their last show mm. that they ever did uh, live together. They did like whatever the set was. I don't know how long it was, but they did like six or seven songs off this album. Wow. Um, in their last set. So the article mentioned, you know, and that kind of speaks to the importance that they feel this album has within their catalog, um, which is, I think, you know, near about where I have it in their catalog as That's, well. But yeah, they probably didn't do Starmy Kitten, I guess. That. <laughs> Yeah, so I've always thought of Starmy Kitten uh, along the lines of like Low, and you know it seems like they always have you know that song. Yeah, Low? yeah, yeah, totally. It's yeah. a transitional sort of interlude, yeah. like song, a half song. It's right. a half song. It's a half song. Yeah, and um, I never really gave it much credit, <laughs> but getting ready for tonight, I looked at it, you know, sort of examined it lyrically, and and found it really a lot more compelling lyrically than I had given it credit for. The time he takes with you, me, yeah, we used to be on fire. Like, that is a bold and brave moment for a person to sing. Hmm. Um, you know, relationships go to lots of different places. Yeah. And when relationships are in that kind of a place, I don't know, not a lot of songs get written about that moment. It's true. Um, well, and there's such optimism in it, even yeah. though it's this 
dirge of a song. But it's still kind of like sultry. You know, it swings. It has a certain seductive quality to it. They have a really crazy catalog. They They really go to... Oddball places. you, You make fun of them for being art rock. Yeah. But it's really true. I mean, think of some of the stuff on Out of Time. Yeah. There's some real goofball tracks on that. <laughs> yeah. But good for them. Like, right. fuck it. Right. And especially from, from my point of view, where I really mostly know them from their singles. Yeah. And again, I didn't really seek them out that much because they were just always on. Didn't have to. Didn't have to. They came no. to me every day. <laughs> so it's fun to kind of get into their even more nerdy, yeah. just experimental side. And I'm sitting here looking at the, at the track list, and it makes me think, you need a palate cleanser before Man on the Moon. I, I almost feel like when Man on the Moon starts, I'm like, oh, it's another slow song. Right. But and it doesn't stay there. It doesn't stay there. Yeah, it goes where Drive never went. Yes. Yeah. Right. And this one, it has one of the more interesting Stipe lyrics. And mm. listening to it, it, it I feel like it, it, in, it is engaging, and I'm trying to understand what he's saying about Andy Kaufman. Uh, you know, all the references to board games, all the references yep. to child childlike things and but then also like world leaders and figures yeah it's stipe word salad but the pictures that he paints in in this song i think are particularly strong i i don't really i've always been ambivalent about andy kaufman i thought the movie was fine i wish it hadn't been obviously it's it's associated with him from the beginning because he's in the song yeah but i wish it hadn't been attached to the movie i wish it had been allowed to just live as the song they they just used it to they overplayed that hand yeah um they didn't need to the movie d- didn't need to be associated with that song i wish i could it's, go back to just hearing this song you know without that association without that association but yeah. i just can't and i i it's it's brown eyed girl it's hotel california <laughs> it's it's a song that i know backwards and forwards i don't need to hear it again but I was just thinking, this is the weird subject matter was a massive pop hit. So when you talk about Everybody Hurts and what a bold move that is, right. I almost feel like then you have this song and you have Drive, all massive hits. Were these songs hits because of their the songs that they were or because of who was playing them? Both. If I mean, was- to a certain extent, any hit is a combination of those two things, but... Is it 50-50 sometimes? Is it 70-30 sometimes? Is it 90-10 sometimes? Well, with this album, they came to, to the public with massive goodwill right. at their backs. Right. And, of course, every single ounce of energy and money of the recording industry to push this album down to people's throats, to, to push millions of units, because they could based on the performance of Out of Time. So they're going to put something out there. Because it's arguable that the, the hits on the album are the worst songs on the album. Yeah, there are better songs than the, those th- three big those three songs. I think so. Yeah. And videos had another big angle of this. For they have, sure. They had massive appeal through videos at a time when videos were capable of generating mass appeal. Yeah. When people thought, there's a new video coming out. <laughs> uh, on Did you hear? Yeah. It's going... It's go- <laughs> We have to watch TV on Wednesday because there's going to be a new video. Like, yeah, are you kidding me? I know. We did that? We did. We spent a lot of time watching shitty videos to yes. catch the ones I yeah. wanted to see. It's going to be on in the afternoon. Yeah. I don't Sometime. know when. Kurt Loder's going to play it. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> God. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Oh, I found those yeah, yeahs so annoying at the time. You texted me at one point with, <laughs> with a, a set of yeah, 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 yeahs. I did. And I didn't make the connection right away because they were just in print, you know? <laughs> I know. And uh, I was like, whatever I had just said to you, I was like, does he think what I just said is bullshit? Oh. And he's being like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that wasn't it at all. But then later... <laughs> And then later I realized. I mean, within eight lines going from Monopoly 21, Checkers and Chets, to Egypt was troubled by the horrible asp. Like, what? I hate Egypt was troubled, troubled by, by the, the horrible, horrible asp. asp. Come yeah, on. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's bad. I don't like it. But I have to say, this has one of the lyrics in it that has uh, made me take pause more than probably any other. You mentioned, yeah. What yeah, is it? here's a truck stop instead of St. Peter's. Mm. That line has stayed with me i don't know for whatever reason and it is of a context that's completely outside of of this song and i have no idea how it applies to andy kaufman or any sort of message that michael stipe is trying to get across in these lyrics but that line in itself just makes me think of okay you're you know you're you believe in something your finery has been stripped from you go in a place where no one believes in you and convince them oh wow that's lovely yeah yeah Here's here's a truck stop instead of St. Peter's. Take off your Pope hat. Yeah. And go, you know, convert some souls. Yeah. Actually speak to people. Yeah. Yeah. One on one as opposed from a pulpit. Yeah. Fight for your audience. Don't just, you know, have them gather. So now as as we describe it, I can see how that completely applies to Andy Kaufman. Because yeah. he would get up on stage and sing along with the Mighty Mouse song. Yeah. And he would fucking just do that and fuck you if you didn't care. Right. He did actually take off his Yeah. I liked that angle of, of Andy Kaufman. I I the places that he went to with humor where he, oh, he would just... lip sync with the Mighty Mouse. Thing, right. Right. He would be playing on a record player by his Yeah. Side. Sorry. And that was his whole thing. Yeah. I, I liked that sort of, you know, screwball, not screwball, but that sort of like left field stuff that he would do. But yeah. the stuff where he was like, not, where, where he was basically lying. Like, I just don't, I don't think lying is funny. And I think often in the later escapades of Andy Kaufman, he was like lying. Yeah, <laughs> like, and like harassing and, people, right? And being like, "It's funny, see, it's yeah. funny because I'm I'm harassing you," and all the Letterman stuff. It's like I I don't I yeah. This is too meta for like I don't know which level I'm supposed to kind of interact with this at. Like, am I supposed to think that it's uh, a commentary, or am I is the commentary the co- like? It's just too much, too much work. Yep. Um. So that's my sort of issue with Andy Kaufman, and then I agree. Jim Carrey has all sorts of, his, his bunch thing. of issues with him so he's playing Andy Kaufman and now they took this R.E.M. song from yeah, me and, and I just like, didn't want anything you. to do with it and I, I felt very redeemed when uh, he won he won an Oscar for it and he's going on and on uh, uh, Jim Carrey about Andy Kaufman or he was going the the process of making the film he yeah. never once said anything about Andy Kaufman right um, I also happen to think that uh, you know imitating a person in a movie is, is not particularly difficult. Within the grand scheme of acting things, sure. to study someone and emulate them, especially if you have a costume and makeup department at your back. And you already physically resemble them. And you already physically resemble them. Yeah, I can pull some is not Is very much on the lower end difficulty scale. Now, call me on it, whatever. I, I'm not Add saying, record time pod. Right. I, <laughs> whatever. I, Nine three seven pizza. We'll save that for our movie podcast. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a whole big mess for me, that whole set of associations. Yep. yep, 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 yep. So each side of this album has one sort of problematic tune for me, which is why I have to call myself 
on saying that it's a perfect album at Fenway. Right. Um, I think that what I enjoy about the songs that I love on this album vastly outweighs the problems of Drive and Man on the Moon. Yes. Um, oh, yes. Uh, and so that's that's where that comment came from. So, hey, I mean... I'm I'm glad we're here doing this. Yeah, me too. I'm glad I said it. No, if, yeah. I'm if this show came out of that, that comment, I'm happy. And this re re uh, um you know approach to the rec- to the record. Yeah, I'm so glad for it. Yeah. Um, night swimming can't move away without saying just like listen again for that Peter Buck slide guitar. Mm. It is awesome. All right, all over the all over the track, but especially his solo. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah. And again, another Mike Mills. They're all they play so well together. Yeah. They have great parts. They all write stuff. There's only four of them. Yeah. So even though they have rich arrangements, rich arrangements, they're all just sort of dressing to the four dudes playing together. Yeah. And they are like the quintess- a quintessential rock band format. You know, like everyone's right. got a personality. Right. Everyone contributes their personality evenly. Like shout out to Bill Barry. He's an amazing drummer. Absolutely. He does awesome percussion parts. He's, he's really creative and efficient and plays the song. Yeah. Plays to the song. And, uh, you know, I read that uh, often when they were sort of in the studio time without Stipe, they would uh, exchange instruments. They would sort of rotate yeah. instruments to see, you know, who felt better about... Uh, interacting with whatever instrument as you know with regard to that particular song so cool um so they're obviously inc- extraordinary musicians that were you know just tightly in tune with each other and just worked they're blue collar i love that it's shit. a blue collar band they are and they yeah. toured like hell yep. and they work like hell this is their eighth record in like yeah. 10 years yeah I mean, we've talked about stipe's lyrics and we even talked about him as a front man and his voice and how like he re- he he carries it off it's really quirky i know you've talked about his singing in previous episodes yeah rem is a example of a band whose singer really matches the music mm-hmm. and he and he they write around him and he writes around them and it, it, they just blend all together as a band so well yeah. i can't imagine anybody else singing these songs nope no yeah no he has so much character he allows himself to be raw and to break he use all, uses all those breaks and and uh, goes off pitch and and stuff We've talked about Joni and her amazing instrument, yeah. her voice. We've talked about Willie and his yes. amazing control of his instrument, uh, his voice. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, Michael Stipe, um, it, what it is, is a willingness to be as vulnerable uh, as you could possibly imagine with the instrument that he has. He doesn't have the finest instrument of any vocalist ever. Right. But he channels emotion with no barriers through the instrument that he has. And when I said what you alluded to earlier is that, you know, my choral directors, my teachers, they taught me how to make notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Michael Stipe taught me how to sing, or at least try to sing. How to put emotion behind it, put yeah, character behind how to, it. how to act it. Yes, um, and he does. Yeah. Yeah. So let's move on to Night Swimming. We're, we're going long again. This is one of those songs I just knew from wherever, and yeah. I had never really... I know that people loved it, and I really didn't understand why. Uh, this isn't... I feel like that... The piano is really nice, mm-hmm. but I feel like it kind of crowds the song. Hmm. And it crowds Stipe's singing. I want a more a tender approach on the piano somehow. Yeah, I can hear that. It's it's a little it's a little heavy-handed, maybe. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So that, that I, I don't know. For whatever reason, that was enough to keep me outside this song. Until, yeah, listening for this and hearing it with fresh ears and like digging into the lyrics and being like, oh, I get it. I know why people because people have had that experience and this calls 
harkens back to a certain nostalgia that is common. So I think um, I I think I probably was not predisposed to have that feeling about the heavy-handed piano because, as we've talked about before, piano piano holds a place for me as like this unbelievably expressive instrument. You know, we've talked about Mm -hmm. whether or not it's the most. I think it was the Willie episode we were talking (laughs) about how you know is piano the most expressive instrument. Um, So any piano, any track. Any track that announces itself with piano uh, makes me sit up straight a little bit. And it say, definitely like, oh, does. Something, something, mm-hmm. something big is going on here. This is this requires a range of emotions, um, and so uh, to me, it's perfectly matched. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. To me, it's like too strident for the tenderness. I can hear that now. You mentioned of it. the lyrics. Yeah. Um, the time that he spends in describing the way the picture works with his windshield yes. is so impressive to me. That is a really great image. Yeah. It's, the set of images that go through my head are so consistent Yeah, because I, I, I sort of sequestered this song uh, for a long time. That's great. Uh, and didn't, didn't dilute it. And I love that. Now I'll listen yeah. to it anytime. <laughs> Hearing people's memories of songs, like what they mean. Everyone has their, can have their own emotional... Well, that's what this show's all about, right? Yes, it is. <laughs> and what an emotional way to close this album. Find the River. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've, this and Sweetness Follows, my two favorites. Yeah. And Find the River, I don't think I had ever heard before. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So that was brand new. And That's you had great. put it in the spreadsheet as the one you're going to cover. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And I listened to it and was floored. And this is more word salad, but what an interesting picture it paints. Mm-hmm. And again, it, it's, it's word salad with certain phrases that just cut come pop through and cut like a knife yeah um but all the bergamot and veveter all of the all all the the organic things organic sumptuous natural scents and aromas and and coriander (laughs) and it it paints this beautiful picture of of just savoring nature's beauty yeah uh, before it all changes and before you change and knowing, the, and again, a reflection on impermanence. Yeah. This, this recurring theme, uh, throughout the album, none of this is going my way. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the desperate, not the desperation. There's, that's the thing. He's saying these desperate words, but it's acceptance in a reassuring way. Yeah. And it was very valuable to me. Uh, it remains as such. Um, you know, and, and looking more closely at the lyrics uh, as we get ready to cover it, it was like, okay, the, the river to the ocean flows, you know, all this sort of inevitability of nature. Yes. You know, the fact that you've got to keep plugging forward despite all of these things. It is, it is, a, it is a tonic. Or I feel like you are plugging forward. You're in the river. Yeah. And, you, you know, your goal is to find the river and flow. Yeah. So I, I feel like it's, it, yeah, all, all of this is coming your way. Yeah. It's going to happen whether you yeah. like it or not. Yeah. So if things aren't going your way, then stop fighting against the current and go yeah. with the current. It is a lovely way to end. And it's a, oh, that accordion is gorgeous. That beautiful, simple guitar part couldn't be easier and such a joy to sink my teeth into to play those chords. And so a, simple. And a real pleasure to just kick back and, and, sing this song out yeah it's not clever it's not you know it's not a melody that's like you know particularly challenging it's uh you know fairly repetitious but it is it is unbridled 
And it's a real tonic. Yeah. This song is a real tonic. It is, I don't know, it has been a particular comfort. I'm absolutely experiencing seasonal affective disorder. Oh, yeah. And having this song in my head for the last couple weeks has been just very, it's been soothing. It's such a good ending that we are going to end this episode uh, with a cover of it, which we will get to momentarily. Uh, Should we talk about... Uh, briefly, what next week holds? Next episode. Next episode. We will me. be jumping slightly ahead in time mm-hmm. and then laterally into R&B and jam out with Alicia Keys. Alicia Keys. Yes. Her debut album. Songs in A minor? Yeah. I haven't thought of a drink pairing yet. We'll have to tweet that. We will. Yeah. We'll have to look at the year and we'll have to uh, look at the lyrics, see if anything jumps out. Yep. But we know we're just going to jam. Some very special songs on that album. Kick ass. We thank you for listening, spending some time with us. And we will uh, leave you in the qualified hands of R.E.M.'s song, Find the River. Talk to you next time. says you have to go to task in the city people drown and people serve don't be shy you're just deserve it's only just light years to go be my thoughts are flowers strewn ocean storm bayberry moon I've got to leave to find my way Watch the road and memorize This life that passed before my eyes Nothing is going my way The ocean is the river's goal The need to leave the water knows We're closer now than light years to go I have got to find the river Bergamot and Bediver Run through my head and fall away Leave the road and memorize life that passed before my eyes nothing is going my way Take the lead, but I tell you and you can see We're closer now than light years to go Pick up here and chase the ride The river empties to the tide Fall into the 
the ocean River to the ocean goes A fortune for the undertow None of this is going my way There is nothing left to throw Of ginger, lemon, indigo Coriander, them and rows of hay Strength and courage overrides The privileged and weary eyes River poets search naivete Pick up here and chase the ride The river empties to the tide all of this is coming your way